0: hello um it's good to be with you this morning uh we're in a linton sermon series right now renovation talk about doing renovation work who here has uh renovated something before And you might as well just keep your hands up for the next question. Who has ruined a renovation trying to do it themselves? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it happens. Um, Oh, how, I don't know, small-minded of me, I guess, to think that there's any renovation I can do on my heart that's going to make a lasting difference on my soul. You know what I mean? Oh, how foolish of me to think that I have it within my own power to do some sort of renovation that's going to improve my life on my soul. There's only one that can do that, and his name is Jesus. He's the one in whom we put our faith. He's the one in whom we rely on. He's the one in whom we believe in. He's the one, oh, it's why we're gathered here today. Um, it's why we read our Bibles. It's why we do what we do. It's, motivation can be defined as why we do the things we do and who we do them for. And so because of this, we've, a lot of us have grown up going to church and stuff. And so I'm going to give you a little, just a one question, pop quiz. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. 100 points to you. Um, You can turn them in to David next week. Jesus wept that and that the verse Jesus wept is in reference to Jesus weeping over his friend Lazarus, Lazarus, who died and and Jesus took a few days to get to him and called Lazarus come out of that tomb, and Lazarus walked out of the tomb and he'd been brought back to life and it makes me it makes me wonder through through all the the efforts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to try to interrupt what Jesus was doing and all of their efforts to try and discredit Jesus by finding his followers and leveraging them into um, denying Christ or, or, or saying that he's a fake and all this stuff. What, it poses the question, what would they do to frighten Lazarus after he'd been raised from the dead? What would you do to frighten Lazarus after he'd been raised from the dead? What would you say? Lazarus, we're going to kill you. He'd say, ha ha ha. And they'd say, stop ha 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 haing. We're going to kill you like we're killing all the rest of the Christians. I believe that he would double over and uncontrollable after. He would come up for air and he would say something along the lines of, golly gilly, haven't you heard? Death is dead. Death is dead. How do you frighten someone who's been there and knows the one who's going to let him out? Death is dead. It would have been difficult to leverage Lazarus to accomplish whatever agenda you had for Jesus. Um, We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read the whole thing. So buckle your seatbelt. I've been practicing reading my whole life. (laughs) It's all come down to this moment. (laughs) All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 11 Great examples of faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that we can see. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him against things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. We'll read that one again. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designated and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God for he was prepared for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac even though God had told him, "Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted." Abraham reasoned that if Isaac is dead, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith, Moses it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. But others were tortured and refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hopes in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. This is the word of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Um, it's a lot to unpack. Let's get started. So it, 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 right off the bat, it's, you know, I have like this vendetta against the church not against you but just like I grew up going to church and we use all these phrases like mercy and forgiveness and grace and love and faith but we never actually like conceptualize it and define it never we rarely conceptualize it and define it in a way that if you were sitting next to someone in a cab or in an elevator with someone you'd be able to explain oh this is what faith is and this is why i have it and so i grew up and I, and so today we're, my first question right off the bat is we're going to talk about is what is faith what is faith and it, and i talked this this couple weeks back when i got to preach i talked about how faith is different from belief Because you can believe in something and not trust it. Like if there's a lion outside your door, you can believe that the lion's there, but you're not going to trust it. (laughs) To have faith in something, you have to trust it. You cannot, they're intrinsically connected. You cannot have faith if you're not trusting. And so that's the difference between faith and belief. And so let's talk this morning about what is faith. What is faith? And it's said at the beginning of chapter 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Trust. Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Most of the things we have anxiety about in the moments of anxiety are when we can't see them. And so then the next question for me is uh, that I asked myself, and I'll echo that question to the congregation, is what, do, what am I hoping for? If my faith is, an, is, is a confidence that what I hope for will happen, well, then what am I hoping for? What are we hoping for? And so I wrote down, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will happen. It's the same way that if, like, my friend over here, Chuck, if I was like, hey, can I, Chuck, can I pull you aside? Can I speak in confidence to you? It'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm asking him. I'm going to share something, and I can I trust you to keep it between us? Confidence. Can I have confidence in you? Can I have confidence is to trust. God, I want confidence in your promises. I want to have faith in your promises. But What am I hoping for? And what are those promises? Um, Trust. It's so intrinsic to faith. Um, In verse 17, I tried to emphasize it when I read it out loud. Um, It says that, that Abraham received God's promises. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac even though that God had promised him Isaac is the son in whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died God was able to bring him back again. Um it's interesting it makes me think if that happened to me if God was going to test me the way he tested Abraham my knee jerk reaction would be to look at Kendra and say we're in a bind. We are in a bind. Abraham trusted God and had faith in God in such a profound way that Abraham, Abraham's not in a bind. From Abraham's perspective, he's like, God, it seems like you're kind of in a bind because you promised that through my son Isaac, you would deliver everything you've promised. But now you've asked me to sacrifice him. I don't, and I believe Abraham when I try to think what was Abraham thinking I believe it went something along the lines of Abraham it said he tried to reason it that well, okay well God will have to bring Isaac back from the dead then but I imagine there were moments where Abraham, Abraham had to say I don't understand but I trust you you can believe in something and not trust it but to have faith in something, you have to trust. You don't have to understand. And that's a difficult thing for me. Um, I have... Uh, Abraham trusted God. I think I have trust issues sometimes. I think I have, And it all started when I moved to Kerrville. <laughs> we, moved to, we moved to Kerrville. My family did. Um... The summer right before 8th grade right before I went to Peterson and um, and you know I was like a little, I was a little hoodlum on my little hoodlum bike that I'd ride around the hood and I met up with some other hoodlums and we would terrorize Kirk County on our little bikes and they said oh you're new I said yeah I'm new and they said well have you do you know about what we do and I was like yeah but tell me just in case I'm wrong. And I said, oh, we, there's, um, have you heard of Ingram? And I said, no. And they go, well, there's not much to hear about it. Um, but there's a dam. I said, there's a dam? Yes, there's the Ingram Dam. And you slide, raise your hand if you slid down the Ingram Dam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know about the Ingram Dam. It's like a roller coaster. You've done it once, you've done it a hundred times. And we just keep going back, don't we? Um, the Ingram Dam, they said, you got to go down the Ingram Dam. It's like, what we do. I said, okay, sure. Um, and so we convinced our parents to take us to the Ingram Dam one day, and we get there. And I'm like, what in the heck I don't trust them at all. They're like, yeah, we slide down it. I'm like, sure you do. <laughs> and we get there, and we walk out into the water. And sure enough, there's this one section of the dam that's like this wide that's super slick. I guess all the algae that's like not slippery, they got rid of it somehow. I don't know. But again, I'm not from here. I don't know how y'all did it. But they... uh this one area was like only smooth algae and slip super slippery. They were, I was like, well, how do you go down it? They were like, well, you can go down it sitting. But if you're cool, you go down it standing up. Uh-oh. And so for me, I'm like, I'll do anything twice. So um, <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, why don't you show me? And sure enough, down that thing, I thought, oh, my gosh. The Ingram Dam is real. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) And so another one goes down. They go, Spencer, go, 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 go. Trust us. It'll be fine. I'm like, I don't trust you. And I said, it's way too fast. So so I thought to myself, I'll go down like on the edge where it's not as rough or where it's not as slick. It's maybe I'll go slower. And they were like, all right, do it. And I was like, will I be okay? And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll be okay. Okay, I'll do anything twice. And so, I mean, I went to slide down off of the slick part. And it's not just algae in the, the spot outside of the where you're supposed to be. It's also a horde, a, a legion of leeches on the Ingram Dam that no one told me about. And I feel like I met every single one of them on my way down the dam. And I, I, had leeches all, I had to pick leeches off me. It was disgusting. And so I have trust issues, and it all started with going down the Ingram Dam. The Hill Country Special is what some people call it. Um, I had trust issues. I was, I think that. Um, so what I'm, all I'm saying is not, you know, refusing to, you know, trust in the wrong thing. You'll get covered in leeches. <laughs> That's your that's your takeaway for this morning. Um, no, I, I think that we should. I think that we should be what we put our trust in is important. What we invest our trust, what we put faith into, and the hopes therefore from that are important. Because if you put your faith, your trust in the wrong thing to the wrong things, it might not be leeches, but it'll be equivalent. It'll suck the life out of you. If, if left unhindered, it'll ruin you. I think that it's a, I think that it is a, I'm, I'm personally, I believe in confidence that a prayer of Abraham's is, I don't understand, but I will trust you. I will trust you. I wrote this down in my journal, and I put a a star by it so that it would be important. I wrote down, do not limit your trust to be only for things you can fully understand. Because if you do, you'll never be able to have confidence that what we hope for in Jesus will happen. If we could understand him, if we could wrap our minds around him, if he could share his plan with us, and we look at it and go, yeah, that's English, that makes sense. He wouldn't be God. He's too big. He's too big for me to wrap my mind around, and he's too big for you to wrap your mind around either. There comes in your relationship with God moments when you put your faith in God, but you don't understand. And I want you to know that we have permission in our relationship with Jesus to place our faith and our trust in him while confessing, I don't understand. I don't understand, but I'll trust you. Um, we're in renovation, we're in the, se- the, this wire up is the name of the title. Ren- renovation is the name of the sermon series. Um, who, who got to experience in Kerrville firsthand the Texas freeze? Texas freeze, the legendary Texas freeze. They said nothing could stop the Ingram Dam. I haven't been back. I don't know. The leeches might still be there. I don't know if they survived the Texas freeze or not. But the Texas freeze happened. It was scary. I remember talking about it with Kendra, and I was like, we were holding Forrest. He was a little infant at that time. And I remember thinking and talking about it with my wife, saying, you know, if it was just us, I wouldn't be worried. We can tough it out. But my son, he's an infant. And so I just, when we were in Costa Rica, we had all these, um, when in Costa Rica, things were different. And we had everything we needed. And we were supported by this church and many other churches across Texas, outside of Texas. Uh, People offered us uh, gifts and prayers. And and we were so well taken care of. And we were blessed by God. It's just a fact that living in Costa Rica was a little bit different than living in the United States. Um, And one of those things, um, I've never built a house, but if I ever do, there are going to be so many plugs in the kitchen. They're going to be everywhere. Um, we 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 had one plug in our kitchen, and it was for the stove which is, a, like, we're grateful that we had a stove. Like, don't hear that I'm complaining about, like, we're still grateful, but also, like, we didn't, you know, we had to make toast the old-fashioned way, right? Butter and put it in the pan, which isn't that bad. I'm just trying to point out there were there were just little inconveniences that were different living in Costa Rica versus living in the United States. And all that to say, when we moved back, it's the United States. And um, if you know my parents, Joy and Keith, they love their appliances. Got any people, anyone here that loves their appliances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we just got a, a Roomba vacuum, little thing, autumn, a little robot. We can't figure out how to do it. It just chases forest around. Um, so... We, we, when we were in this transition period where we didn't have a place to stay yet, we lived with my parents, Joy and Keith, for for about a week and a half. And they had, we had access to all these appliances that we'd never had. We, I mean, dishwasher. didn't even have to rinse it off really well. You just throw it in there, and it would clean it. It was a high-powered. They'd make all sorts of noises once you turned it on. You'd pull it out, and it'd be like you could see yourself in the plate clean um they have they had a toaster that you could put 18 pieces of toast in you could toast a whole loaf of bread um man a washer a clothes washer and a dryer like it was like it's it seemed as if it was voice activated you just you just throw the clothes in the laundry room and you come back and they'd be clean that's what we felt like was happening all these appliances made life easier. But when the Texas freeze happened, all these appliances were worthless because there's nothing going to the wires connecting them. There's no power. We didn't have any electricity. And it, I see this parallel in my heart, and I hope you share it with me, is that I can have all the applications of a Christian life. I can serve my church. I can uh, participate in corporate worship on Sunday morning. I can go to the Wednesday Bible study. I can serve at Light on the Hill at Mount Wesley on Mondays and get in, with our food bank and and, and and community service. I can I can volunteer with our youth group on Sundays and Wednesdays. I can volunteer with the children's program. I can volunteer with the choir. I can I can do college ministry on Monday nights. I can I can do discipleship 1 and then 2 and 3 and 4. And five and six and seven, like I can can do all these, I can have all these applications of the Christian life. But they're worthless unless they're connected to my faith. It's a biblical thing to say, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think that we can put our faith in God... And say, I'm trusting you, but I am also struggling to trust you more. I believe our God is a good God. And I believe that when we are in the moment of saying, God, I don't understand, so I'm just going to trust you. And I do trust you, God, but I'm also struggling. The good, good father... When he saw his son, the prodigal, who was still a long way off, he ran to him. And I believe that what happens in our lives when we can say, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. And what comes with that surrender is putting my, is believing you, but putting my faith in you. And trusting in your plan for my life. No matter what situation I'm in. But God, while I'm sitting here saying I trust you, it is, it's almost like it's difficult to breathe because of how deep I am in the valley right now during this season of life. God, I trust you, but I'm still struggling to trust you more. I believe that in that moment, he draws even closer to us because he's a good God. He doesn't draw close to you because he's bored. He doesn't draw close to you because he's like, I just need a riveting conversation. (laughs) Um, I think that when you love someone is that, that I believe it's a choice. And I believe you do it to unselfishly seek the highest good for someone. And God says, I love you. And what that means is that he unselfishly seeks the highest good for you. He doesn't say, make your heart my home, because he doesn't have anywhere to stay. Our creator made us, and he loves us, and he wants what's best for us. Therefore, despite the baggage that's left halfway unpacked in our hearts, therefore, no matter the clutter that's in our hearts, no matter the the mess that we're in, or the smell no matter how unkept it is he says i want to be a resident of your heart because i love you and i want what's best for you and the best thing for you is to have jesus live inside of you uh, with offering tithes and gifts and god doesn't say man i could really do something in the hill country if our GoFundMe reached a certain number that's not what That's not why we tithe. God has said, "Um, I made you, and I formed you, and I love you. Therefore, I want what's best for you, and I know what happens to your heart whenever you begin to covet money. Therefore, make it a habitual practice in your life to give generously. God doesn't say, I want you to sing songs about me because... I need to be affirmed. <laughs> like God doesn't say, "Will you sing all these good songs about me just cuz I I really like it to hear about all the stuff I've done." Like that's not God calls us to worship him because he knows it's good for our hearts to sing truth about our creator. God calls us to put our faith in him and he promises us He promises us that he'll be with us always. It doesn't make everything go away. It doesn't doesn't just, now we're floating in the sky and everything's pretty. God calls us to put our faith in him, not because he doesn't know what he's going to do if people aren't trying to put faith in him it's because he made us and he knows us and he loves us he chooses to love us therefore he chooses for our highest good and the highest good i can do in my life is trust with confidence in jesus and hope for things to come will you pray with me Lord God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. We ask Holy Spirit, would you move powerfully as we go through this Lenten season? Like I've said, it's apparent that we can go out and see that things aren't as they're meant to be. And we can go look in the mirror and see that things aren't as they should be. But you are the God that makes all things good. We trust that you are who you say you are. Would you fill our lives with purpose and meaning and power as we trust you more and more? Amen.